He I remember was, talking yeah. to Jack Benny one day, because we would also double over and do the Benny show. I would be playing the other character on the Benny show, and Phil and I would ride back and forth. I remember once going from CBS to NBC, we cut across the parking lot because the shows backed into each other. Jack was on out here. Show originated 4 to 4.30, and Phil's show originated when we were both on Sundays, 4.30 to 5. They were on later out here, but that fed New York at 7 o'clock, I guess. And they got a two-passenger bicycle for Phil and I to ride so they get publicity shots of us. Right? <laughs> we almost blew both shows because neither of us can handle a bike. On Sunday, April 2nd, 1950, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show took to the air over NBC. The show peaked in December of 1948 with a rating of 26, but by this month, it was down to 8.5. Harris resisted taking the program into TV, as his wife Alice Faye remembered. In the beginning, when that show first came on, it was live, and I suspect that you had to do at least one, possibly two broadcasts every week. Was there a West Coast and an East Coast, or did you just do one? That's right, we did. I think the show really came into its own when Rexall came in because right. the uh, first of all, all the well, we were rolling then. I yeah, mean, we really yeah. had it. We and had I, tremendous writers too, yeah. and it was all terrific. It was really going. Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet. Yeah, they were yeah. terrific. You came in at a just perfect time for radio, yeah, forty-six. Right. Yeah, right. But by the time you left in fifty-four, so much television had yeah. come in on this. Well, Phil wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. I think that's one thing I really am sorry for uh -huh. that we didn't go into television. He didn't want to do it. He couldn't see another family show on TV. He was afraid. It's too bad because I would say that the Phil Harris Alice Faye show was not another family show. It was no, a very special it show. It was very, it was really and, fun. And your personalities could have easily translated to, uh, yeah, to he television. Couldn't see it and you couldn't tell him well, that. Maybe he didn't want all the extra work. TV is a hard thing. <clears throat> I don't know. He did have a hard time, really, didn't he, for a while, or running, doing the Benny show, and then boom, immediately... Uh, oh, yeah. Doing, yeah, because in the rehearsals and everything. Yeah. yeah. Elliot Lewis's friendship with Phil went all the way back to their days on the Jack Benny program. I asked Jack once why, because I, I was really serious. We were getting big, big laughs, and I wasn't sure why. I was very happy that we were getting laughs, and so was Phil, and so were the writers, but I wasn't sure why, and I asked Jack, and he said, well, I think it's because... The two of you, when there's a really difficult situation, do and say what everybody would really like to do and say if they had the nerve. And they don't have the nerve, so they laugh because you really do. You know, <laughs> and you just do. And it's funny that way. On that Sunday, the episode was called Frankie's Flying Saucer. Good health to all from Rexall. From Palm Springs, California, it's the Bill Harris Alice Fay Show, presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good evening. This is your Rexall family druggist with a welcome from the 10,000 independent druggists who have made the word Rexall part of our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign on our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. Many of you are already familiar with some of these famous products. Like MI-31, for example, Rexall's popular mouthwash. MI-31 is the antiseptic formula that kills contacted germs almost instantly when used full strength, yet does not harm delicate membranes of the mouth and throat. Quality like Rexall's MI-31 is what we family druggists are talking about when we tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. 
good health to all from Rexall. Your Rexall Family Druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today is the Harris family's last day in Palm Springs. They want to take advantage of it, so Phil has insisted that they get up at 5 a.m. As we look in, they're returning to the hotel after a two-hour horseback ride. Gee, Mommy, we've had a wonderful morning. So far, we've played tennis and gone swimming and bicycle riding. What's the next thing planned for us? Well, I don't know. Let's go back to the room, wake Daddy up, and ask him. Why doesn't Daddy ever get up in the morning? Oh, he can't on account of his health. He said he has peculiar pigmentation of the skin, and the gamma rays of the morning sun affect his epidermis. <laughs> what does that mean? It's French for beat it, get lost, and let me sleep. <laughs> Mommy, why doesn't Daddy ever get up in the morning? Oh, for a very good reason, children. He says he's like a delicate flower... And the morning sun wilts him. Why, I thought the sun was good for flowers. Oh, not your father. He claims he's a jasmine and only blooms at night. <laughs> I wonder if he's awake yet. Isn't that Daddy sitting over there by the pool with Uncle Willie? So it is. Look, girls, you go in and get dressed, and I'll be there in a few minutes. I want to talk to Daddy. Hmm. I wonder what they're watching so intently. Uh-oh. It's that girl on the diving board in the French bathing suit. I'll sneak up behind them and see just how interested they are. Philip, isn't she a honey? Get that red hair, that beautiful face, and that voluptuous figure. <laughs> yes, William. But what about her character? <laughs> Can she carry on an intelligent conversation? Can she cook and sew and keep house? Who cares with a figure like that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we reading each other's lines? <laughs> You're right about that, girl, Philip. We men shouldn't be taken in by what appears on the surface. She looks nice from here, but... What about her background? Well, wait till she turns around, we'll find out. <laughs> you know, Willie, those two-piece bathing suits are really fascinating. So alluring. Phil! And that's why they disgust me. <laughs> I'll bet you just can't stand the sight of it. Honey, you're so right. I've been sitting here mortified. How long have you been sitting here? Oh, I've been mortified about three hours now. <laughs> I think that girl looks disgraceful posing there with her bare midriff. Every man in the place is looking. Yeah. What a spot for a Burma shave ad. <laughs> well, come on, fellas. Let's go in for breakfast. Oh, by the way, where's Frankie? Yeah, last time I saw him, a man was selling him a uranium mine for $50. <laughs> That sounds like something stupid enough for Frankie to fall oh, wait for. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Remley ain't stupid. 
He's got more sense than to fall for anything. Hiya, Curly. Ah, hiya, Franklin. I'm glad you showed up. I hear you bought a uranium mine for $50. Ah, Curly, you don't think I fell for that, do you? I'm not gullible. I have too much sense. Besides, I was busy doing something much more important. What are you doing? Watching the flying saucers. I told you. (laughs) Lean over here and breathe out, Clyde. (laughs) You were watching what? Flying saucers. Don't tell me you're one of the few remaining people who hasn't seen one. Remley, how many fingers have I got up? Look closely. Now, you were seeing things again. I am not. I can prove it. I saw a whole squadron of them. In fact, I turned to the guy I was spending the afternoon with and said, Did you see what I saw? And what did the bartender reply? Well... (laughs) I wasn't with no bartender. Frankie, a lot of people think they've seen flying saucers, but I don't believe it. I wouldn't believe it either if I hadn't seen those two guys from Mars who were driving it. (laughs) Oh, I got to take the strings off his guitar. His music's driving him nuts. (laughs) Remley, let me get this straight. You saw a flying saucer with two men in it, and right away you knew that they were men from Mars. Oh, no, no, not right away came out in the course of the conversation. (laughs) You talk to the men from Mars? Well, naturally, I'm no snob. (laughs) I'll talk to anybody who's nice. All right. (laughs) Do you expect anybody to believe that wild story? Newspapers believed it. I called them last night and gave them the whole story. It's in every newspaper throughout the country today. Oh, no, no, Rem. How can you pull a hoax like that? When that article appears with your name in it, you'll be the laughing stock of the nation. Everybody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to laugh at me. What makes you so sure? When I called the papers, I gave them your name. (laughs) Oh, Frankie, why did you have to give them my name? You can use the publicity. Look at these headlines. Alice Faye's husband sees flying saucers and talks to men from Mars. Alice Faye's husband? Yeah, I got you a little publicity, too. (laughs) Now, you should have seen that sight. I was driving along the desert, and I saw those flying saucers come shooting from out of nowhere. Driven by men from Mars? No. No? That part I made up to make the other part sound believable. (laughs) No, Curly, this is a sight I'll never forget. Those large cylindrical objects flashing through the sky at a terrific speed. And suddenly one plummeted to earth and landed in a burst on the desert. The door opened, and those little men started swarming over the Hold it, Arson! (laughs) You saw this saucer land in the desert. Yeah, and I can prove it. I would have gone out to examine it yesterday, but it was getting dark. I'm going out now. If you'll come with me, I'll show you where it is. I ain't going. You better... I told the newspaper men to be here at 2 o'clock to get all the facts. You should be able to describe your flying saucer. Oh, Remley. The things you get me into, I don't... Oh, all right, I'll go. But you better produce a flying saucer. Yeah, I will. Alice, you want to come with us? No, no. I don't want him to think I'm a kibitzer. Who? The two men from Mars. I'll only be in the way when you four start playing canasta. All right. 
Now, don't be facetious, Alice, or I shall not permit you to sing Wilhelmina from that new picture. What new picture? The one you're in, Wabash Avenue. You try to stop her and I'll break your arm. <laughs> sing, lover. Cutest little girl in Copenhagen Wilhelmina She has all the fellas crazy in the noggin In Copenhagen And the roses on her cheeks And the music when she speaks And how sweet her kisses taste Sugar gainish like her mama's Danish pastry Wilhelmina Maybe soon she will elope in Copenhagen Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, she'll share everything, including his toboggan. In Copenhagen, all the other girls say no. But Wilhelmina, she says nice. All the boys call Wilhelmina Willie, but he calls Wilhelmina mine. Wilhelmina. She's the cutest little girl in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, she has all the fellas crazy in the noggin. In Copenhagen. And the roses on her cheeks. That's Wilhelmina. And the music when she speaks. That's Wilhelmina. And how sweet her kisses taste. That's Wilhelmina. Sugar canish like her mama's Danish pastries. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina. Maybe soon she'll elope in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina. He'll share everything, including his toboggan. In Copenhagen, all the other girls say nine. But Wilhelmina, she says ten. All the boys call Wilhelmina Willie, but he calls Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina mine. Why did I ever let you fellas talk me into looking for a flying saucer? It doesn't exist. We've been tramping over this desert for five hours now, and I'm hot and tired and thirsty. So am I. I give anything for a drink. How about you, Curly? Water. <laughs> Water. There's no time to wash. <laughs> I want water to drink. To drink? You're in worse shape than I am. I'm just thirsty. You're delirious. <laughs> oh, Remley, you and your flying saucers, getting it in the paper that I saw. If I don't produce one, they're going to laugh me out of town. I tell you, I saw one crash out here in the desert. It's around here someplace. Curly, look over there. That pile of twisted metal, it's my flying saucer. Remley, you're right. You see, Alice, and you thought he was having halicinations. <laughs> Come on, Curly. Help me dig this wreck out of the sand. Yeah, I'll help you. Maybe we can find some clue of where it's from, huh? Say, fellas. Fellas, I found a disc here. 
There's a lot of mud on it, but there, there seems to be something written underneath the mud. Well, scrape it off, honey. Scrape it off. Maybe it'll tell what planet it's from. Well, hurry up, Alice. Is it from Jupiter or Saturn? No. No, it starts with an M. M? It's either Mars or Mercury. Quick, Alice, what does it say? Maxwell. <laughs> Maxwell, an old hubcap. So this is where Jackson buried his car. <laughs> Wait the insurance company finds out about this, they ain't gonna like it. Why? Jackson told them Rommel captured it in Africa. <laughs> Frankie, this ain't a flying saucer, it's just an old automobile wreck. Who has to know that? Let's take it into town, they'll never know the difference. After all, it fooled you.